Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. That just crept right on us. New Year all of a sudden. Uh-oh. Good stuff coming. Always be optimistic. All right, today, what do I have in store for you? I don't know if you caught that Vice feminist panel. Essentially, Vice, liberal organization, put together a feminist and anti-feminist panel. Uh, Just Pearly was on there, a couple people on there who had more traditional views. Most of them did not. Surprise, surprise. Anyway, I'm going to dissect that panel with you for you today. Of course, it was pre-taped, the panel, and of course, it was edited, more importantly. So we're going to talk about that. I'm also going to dig into an up uh, upcoming California law. It's called AB2098. So if you're in California, pay attention. If you're not in California, you should also pay attention because it may be coming to a liberal state near you. This law will make the dissemination of misinformation and disinformation about COVID-19 actionable by state medical boards. What does that mean and why does it matter to you even if you don't live in California? We're going to do all that. Before we get started on this Vice Feminist panel, and by the way, it's insane. We're going to talk about sexism, female promiscuity, abortion, all the hot button topics. It's coming your way. But before we do that, I have to tell you today's show is brought to you by a partner that I'm very proud to have, Cassandrinos Organic Olive Oil. It's the only olive oil that I use in my home. I was actually ecstatic to get this partner. Let me tell you about this company and why I care about it and why I put it on this show to help make you healthier. This is a veteran-owned company. This is a completely family-owned company and operated. It's the only olive oil, I'm telling you, that I use in my house. I'm Italian, so I know a lot about olive oil. This is the most delicious olive oil I've ever tasted. No lie, no deception here. You know you don't find deception on JB Live. Why do I care about it? It's free of chemicals, it's free of pesticides, it's certified organic. This is farm to table. What you see on the grocery store shelves is not. We're going to talk about that in a second as well. So again, this isn't a corporate-run company. Why is this company different? They actually don't sell their olive oil in stores. Why is that? Because every two to three months, they go to Greece, and they only offer the current harvest on their website. Why does that matter? You may be sitting at home and saying, well, I can get organic olive oil in the grocery store. That's true. But do you know that the olive oil that you're buying in the grocery store has probably been sitting there for a year or more? That affects not only the taste, but it affects the nutrient quality because it disappears after a while. Also, most of the olive oils that you buy in the store, not just olive, but also uh, avocado, you can look at some recent testing on that, they're rancid by the time they get to your home. So that means they've lost their nutrient density, the taste is compromised, I don't know what's going on in there, it's nasty, right? Casadrinos make sure that doesn't happen by delivering fresh farm to table olive oil to you. What does that mean? That means that the antioxidant content and the nutrient density content content is super high. They also remember pesticide free farming, no nasty chemicals to mess with your health. What's the point of putting on delicious olive oil? You think you're doing something healthy on that beautiful salad, those vegetables, whatever it may be, has all nasty chemicals in it, not helping you, also not helping you protect yourself from the matrix. Just saying. This, by the way, if you want to know more about The testing that this company does, every batch of their olive oil goes through two independent third-party tests for quality and freshness so you can be rest assured of what you're getting is good. You can actually go onto their website and they have it right there for you to look at for yourself. The olives are hand-picked, hand-picked, not machine harvested, and they're stored in climate-controlled warehouses till the day they're shipped so that they don't compromise. Again, the nutrients, the taste, 
they don't turn rancid because oftentimes they turn rancid because they hit the light, all that stuff. They're exposed, right? They don't want that to happen. Other things, there's no GMOs in it. If you're keto, this is keto certified, paleo certified, certified organic, cold pressed, all the good stuff. I'm telling you, I know a lot about food. That's my baby. You know, I love to eat. This is the olive oil to buy. I have a special offer for you today. 25% off of all of their products. They also have balsamic vinegar, stuff like that. I happen to be a huge fan of the olive oil. 25% off at checkout using promo code Jedediah. You can go right into the description, click on that link, and it'll automatically put that 25% right in there for you. Cosandrinos.com slash Jedediah, code Jedediah at checkout. Like I said, if you use the link, code's already in there. You're going to see that 25%. 25% is a hot deal, man. I'd be buying it. In fact, I did buy some. Just saying. All right. Let's move on to feminism. Oh, what a breath of fresh air. Actually, it's a lot of stale air that's going to be coming your way right now from these women. But don't you worry. I have the antidote to the feminist poison. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. You saw it just pop up on the screen. Don't be lazy. Don't be like the modern women. Just kidding. All right. So let's go to Deli Seer laughing. All right. Let's go to 428. We're going to start with what is feminism? What is it? Let's go consider feminism i think feminism is attempting to say okay the first thing we agree on is that there are barriers and friction to what i need and what i want based on the fact that i'm a woman what it ignores is that and what privilege is is that you may not have to think that being a woman and being a black woman and being a black woman who has a disability for example impacts you further you have more barriers you have more friction you are less able to get what you want you're undervalued in a way that's like Okay, well, you know, that's life. That's what I mean by equity and that we're able to, without friction, all get the same needs met. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, see, I disagree with that. I think life is easier if you're a girl, um, actually. Yeah, I, think, I think there's a lot advantage. of benefits um, that men don't have. I'm, I'm not going to speak anything to race. I'm just talking about gender specifically it's usually like an excuse like honestly i think as a girl you have equal opportunity in the world i think there's benefits like for example we have quotas for women in specific jobs that are given to us that aren't given to men so yeah i would i would say it's easier being a girl just from a viewpoint over here though it seems there's a lot of privilege pretty privilege in what you're saying and mm. that you're white and you present you think I'm pretty? okay let's Thank pause you. this for I a second <laughs> so this is supposed to be a panel about feminism this is supposed to be a panel about men and women and discrepancies between men and women and the movement feminism is supposed to be for women this is not supposed to be a debate about disabilities and race and all of this other stuff she opens that woman in the conversation you're going to hear more from her don't you worry sorry but she opens that conversation and she says that she's talking about barriers right then and there i would have said what barriers can you tell me just I want to know what the barriers are for women. In 2022, what are the barriers specifically for women versus men? Now, at some point, and that's just pearly things, you know or you love her, she comes out and asks about that. But you can see already that these women will play the victim card. And it's not enough to have a conversation about women because when they're pressed and asked about what are the barriers for women, 
they're like so they have to bring another well a black woman and someone who has no legs she has no legs she's saying she's disabled all of these other that's not a conversation about that because you know why that makes no sense because you could also say that men who had disabilities are at a disadvantage in some respects you could say that men who who had these uh, black men then we have to talk about then we have to it's not about that is not what the conversation is about the conversation is targeted to men versus women, but they already are losing the debate because they can't talk about the barriers. So they have to get into the thick of identity politics and make this about other stuff, which leads me to believe, are there no barriers for women then? If you can't answer the question, what are the barriers for women without bringing in all this other stuff, handicapped and this, then you're telling me there's no barriers for women or you would be talking about what the barriers are specifically for a woman versus a man. So get used to when you have these debates with people like this, interrupt. By the way, this debate, so it's pre-taped, fine. Things get pre-taped. It's edited and it's heavily edited. You can see it as you go through. And I always warn people, when you are of a conservative mind, when you are of a traditional conservative mind, and you go into a space like that and there is editing allowed, beware. Beware, because you are being set up. You are being set up. They want to present the idea of diversity, but you will be outnumbered, I will guarantee it, and you will be edited. I will guarantee it. So if you're okay with that, fine. But just know it going in. Know what, there is always an agenda. There's always a reason for having you there. And you're going to see how some of this stuff gets edited as we play along. All right, let's play that just a little bit longer. Deli, I'm going to be a pain uh, on the stop and go on these a little bit. So do we have more on that one? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's play that one. I just want to keep her going for a second. <laughs> Yeah. In a way that beauty standards have accepted. And so they call me ugly on the internet all the time. They, they be roasting me daily, I swear to God. I don't mean to say I think you're gorge. I just mean that they're a certain value that we give to certain bodies. I mean, let's that. also dig into why these quotas exist and why these, um, what you're calling because privileges Because special exist. treatment. Um, no, but it's because there have historically and presently in most jobs been fewer women mm -hmm. and because of sexism. Okay, pause. So why? Why? Oh my gosh. First of all, you notice how the first woman makes it out. Now it's pretty women. Pretty women. Now you, you have an advantage. So is this a conversation? Again, I would have stopped her and said, hold on. Are you having a conversation about feminism or do we now need to separate this and have a conversation about do you have some type of problem with attractive women people who are deemed attractive by societal standards are now as privileged as men is that what you're saying because that's not a conversation about feminism doll that's a conversation maybe about some insecurity you have or some, something's going on personal for you fine but that's not what this debate's about so let's take it back to where it needs to be pretty women how ridiculous i mean what are we even talking about then the other woman who you will discover by the way can we go back to the video and just hold it for a second don't play it deli so on the top right you see is a blonde what looks like a blonde woman who who's somewhat tomboyish that's actually a man that's a trans woman so that's a man and i'm just telling you straight up that's a biological male you'll hear it from from or, you know, I guess her mouth. I don't even know these pronouns. I don't know what to say anymore. It's just getting too stupid. And also on the top left in the red dress, that is biological male as well, who has become a woman. So they made the panel diverse indeed. But the blonde says, you know, why, why do women make these decisions? And immediately, immediately it's societal sexism. Let's go back actually to, I want to go, 
I want to go to, I'm going to skip around here a little bit. Let's go back to 602. I just want to see if I'm backtracking on this for a second. I want to make sure I get all the continent. Value that we give to certain bodies. Yeah. I mean, let's that. also dig into why these quotas exist and why these, um, what you're calling because privileges Because we want special exist. treatment. Um, no, but it's because there have historically and presently in most jobs been fewer women mm-hmm. and because of sexism. How is it sexism when we have no barriers today? Okay, so, we, so we pause that. No- so she assumes, that's biological male, whatever, assumes that, oh, there's, there's barriers. There's, there's fewer women. There are fewer women in jobs. Okay. And as a result, let's blame sexism for that based on what? Tell me where is your statistical data analysis of why there are a few women in those jobs? Could it not be that there are a few women in those jobs because they don't want those jobs? Maybe they don't want those jobs? Or have you now decided that something is sexism because it suits a talking point for you, even though it's not grounded in any type of fact or reality? Where's the, where is the factual data on that? I would ask. So again, sexism, racism, misogyny, the the vomit, they vomit the words out and they're not grounded in anything. It's just a label because they don't like the distribution of men and women in employment spaces. Too bad. Too bad. Talk to the women who don't want those jobs, doll. Some, they act like there's no choice in modern society. Like, Like 2022 is an enslavement camp for women. It's not. Women are making decisions about the kinds of jobs they want. We're going to get into that in a second when she talks about the pay gap that doesn't exist, that's not real. By the way, that's just Pearly on the, channel, on the panel who's challenging her and trying to, you know, get in there, but is, as you can see, as I said a minute ago, vastly outnumbered. Okay, let's go to 707. I don't think it's that simple. I think like I think that's an oversimplification. I think the fact of the matter is that women structure their lives differently to men. Men don't give birth. Men don't have have to carry pregnancies. Men don't have to be the primary caregiver most of the time. Women also don't hold jobs for as long as men do. They often will stop and start. They'll go back into work. They'll take time off. They'll take part-time jobs. The way that men work and women work are astronomically different. And to try to say that they're comparable is is where this issue comes from. They're not comparable. Two things. First of all, um, let's dig into why they think that um, they should take these jobs, which is society, societal sexism. And then also... Okay, um, stop again. Do you see it again? You see it again. So women who make the decision, you see the infantilization of women by people who claim to be standing up for women. Do you see it? She's essentially saying, oh, women are a bunch of babies and they're doing this because sexism, societal sexism, influence, oh, bunch of babies. Why could it not be that those women make the decision that they want to have a family? I mean, my mom did that. My mom worked at times. And she didn't have to work all the time. My dad was the breadwinner in the house, but she made decisions. So when I was small, she didn't work. And then as I got older, she decided she was going to dabble in this and that. Women make decisions like that. Could it not be because women are different from men and women have different priorities and women want to spend time at home and women want to be there when their kids are young and more women are making those decisions than men. As a result, you have men who are more consistently in the workforce and more consistently, you know, climbing that corporate ladder by choice. Why do you get to blame sexism and society when some of these decisions are being made by women in the modern age who have the freedom to choose the lives they want and are choosing to not have the same work structure as men? Why do you choose to be blind to that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you have to be blind to that in order to sell the talking point that that individual is trying to sell. 
and you're going to see that laced through this whole thing. Sexism. Sexism is the reason for everything, apparently. What's next, doll? Internalized misogyny? That's another one they love to throw. Inter- everyone's got internal. Everyone who calls out modern feminism for corrupting women has some type of internalized misogyny. Oh, God, nauseating. Can you imagine me on this panel? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're like, do it, Jen. I wouldn't have done that panel. I'm going to tell you why. Because I come from network TV, and I come from a long cable news background, and I know exactly what happens when you go into a panel and there's editing involved. So I would have asked, is this going to be edited? And they would have said yes, and I would have said, oh, I'm good, I'm out. But if you want to do it live, I'll be there. And then they would have been like, oh, no, <laughs> we can't do it live. Of course not, because I'm sure there's stuff cut out there that they, oh, they didn't lie. It was an awkward moment, or maybe somebody's feelings got hurt. Or, <laughs> Yawn. Okay, let's go to 722. Oh, actually, no, we have to keep going on that one because we have the pay gap coming in. Hmm. Let's keep going where we were. ...of labor, all statistics, at least speaking in the U.S., um, have found that when compared for the same jobs, there still is a pay gap, particularly no. when it pertains to race. Because 60% of women... Okay, again, for right, race, that, so. she's talking about race. Is this a conversation about race? Is it? It's not a conversation about race, one. Secondly, that is false. What she is saying is False. And I'm using the she because that's what she, I guess, goes by. That is false. The re- there is no pay gap. There's no, oh, oh my God, let's all cry. Women are paid less. Oh, my, my, my. No, we broke this down on the show. Women are making different decisions. They're not working as many hours. They're not putting in as many time. And they're not involved in the same disciplines. How many women do you know go into a, a, a place that specializes in, in, in engineering and take a tally of how many men and women? There's going to be more men, right? Should we all say, oh, sexism, oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe more men want the job, doll. That's it. In the same way, there are guys that are willing to deprioritize that work-life balance and put in more hours. And yes, those guys make more money. Also, women and men shouldn't automatically make the same amount of money all the time. What if there's a, a guy that's working way harder? What if his output is better? What if he's producing better quality work? What if there are a number of factors that need to go into, into this that are, are beyond just, oh, equity, equity. It's my favorite word they throw out there. All right. It's beyond that. And by the way, there are discrimination laws in place that protect women already and protect individuals from actual lawlessness in the workplace. They exist already. So all this nonsense that they're spewing is nonsense. Let's go to 722. Also don't hold jobs for as long as men do. They often will stop and start. They'll go back Mm -hmm. into work. They'll take time off. They'll take part-time jobs. The way that men work and women work are astronomically different. And to try to say that they're comparable is is where this issue comes from. They're not comparable. So we played this one, but what I want you to also pay attention to, the reason I I remember why I played this one twice now. When, When we play this, Look at the facial expressions of the people around the circle. You're going to start to hear a defensiveness. You're going to see the, you're going to see a lot of that. You will hear interrupting of like, oh, here we go. You'll see that emotional reaction from some of these women who don't have anything grounded in fact to negate what, you know, someone like a Just Pearly is saying. I call her Just Pearl, but I call her Just Pearly because I'm used to saying that for the channel. But when you don't have facts to support what you're saying, there's a lot of huffing and puffing. There's a lot of nastiness that comes into play, a little attitude you'll see. So just pay attention to that for your own amusement. I know I, you know, sometimes would get lost in space when they were going on and on about some talking point that wasn't true. And then I would look around and saw, see their expressions and I'd get a little chuckle myself. So just a, just a tip as you're watching. 
Okay, let's go to 836. the table. When I'm thinking about feminism, I'm always thinking about who's not part of the conversation. What are the barriers? How do we think about equity? How do we think about self-empowerment and agency and having a voice, right? And having choice and thinking about our basic human rights, education, access to health, uh, homes, like having bread, having food. And those things are very important, right? And they're at the crux, right? About of what a lot of us here know that we need. Okay. It's like, so this, this became now, can you find the debate about feminism in here? What is she talking about? Some liberal big government talking points about now everything's a basic human right, home, healthcare, food, education, and somehow that's wrapped into a debate about feminism. If you're, if you believe that all of those things are rights, which by the way, they're not. Those are not rights. It doesn't say in the Constitution of the United States that everybody has a right to a home and health care and food and education or it's somebody else's responsibility to provide those things for you. No, it does not. Those are not rights. This is liberalism gone wild. That somehow now what, doll? Are you saying that somebody else should pay for all those things for you? That doesn't sound very female empowered feminist girl power movement first off. And secondly, why? Why is it somebody else's job to do that for you? And what does that have to do with the feminist movement? We're supposed to be having a conversation again about men and women. They can't have this conversation because they lose. So they bring up all the stuff, right? All the stuff. Now we're, do, now we're into basic human rights and how that relates to... Again, she's going to bring in race a hundred times, which, yes, that's part of her personal experience. Fine. She's welcome to share that. But that is not the conversation at hand. So did you not come prepared for the conversation at hand? I'll ask again. Free health care. Can you imagine the list of things these people want? So, and it's the message, by the way, that if a woman is not given a home, free health care, free food, education, and what else, that they're not able to be successful in life. Is that the message? How does that sound empowering or self-empowering to you? How does that, how do you reconcile that argument? In one breath, you're saying, oh, women can do it all and women this and women that. In another breath, you're saying women need a bunch of handouts from who? Big daddy government in order to be any kind of level of self-sufficient in society. How does that make sense? Make it make sense. That's what I would have said. And then somebody would have been crying. It wouldn't have been me. It wouldn't have gone well. Okay. Let's go to uh, 1043. Little hostile. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people have talked about equity instead, which is um, instead of sameness, it's fairness. Mm-hmm. And this would mean that we remove systemic barriers mm-hmm. to um, to engage in society, not just for women, but also for so, everyone. So which barriers? Okay, Those barriers so, that you don't believe in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what does I don't, it do I don't, for you to have a bunch of ramps in your life? It doesn't do shit. I need those ramps, right? Can we stick to male versus female? That's that's my question. So I, I'm thinking male versus female. But my so feminism my, no, includes so, ability. So, it so, includes but my race. My question is: You guys can, can talk. Women can versus talk. men. Like, what what barriers do we need removed? Because that, that's my statement. I'm not I'm not stating anything else. I'm stating women versus men. It's very silly. Like, so it's so what barriers? I just want to it's a fair silly. question. So, yes. yeah, I, I it's not a fair question. It's how hostile. is it not a fair question? I'm proving the point of why. Okay, so why people... isn't it a fair question? Do you see how they have no response? So all she's saying is th- this woman keeps talking about, well, I'm disabled and you don't need ramps. That's a conversation about disabilities. 
And if you're a disabled man, you could also say, I need ramps. This is not a conversation about men and women. But when pressed and, and somebody says, okay, you're talking about systemic barriers when it comes to women, women versus men, that somehow there are systemic barriers bred into society that prevent women from succeeding at the same level as men. What are they? It's like dead silence. Everybody looks like a deer in headlights. And they're like, oh, but, but race and oh, the handicapped and this. That. So is your answer that there are none? Is your answer that in the modern world in 2022, a woman has, a woman has the same opportunities, if not more, by the way, if not more, because there are quotas that exist for women. There are, they exist. There aren't quotas that exist for men in a company or in a school or whatever it may be. So is that the real answer that you're afraid of, that your argument is built on garbage? It's a garbage argument. And if you had the barrier, you'd be talking about them. You'd be listing them off left and right. I'm sure they'd be coming right out of your mouth. Instead, there's dead silence and deer in headlights. So congratulations, Pearl. You've just exposed them just by asking a question. She's just asking a question. Deeply offended by the question because they don't have an answer. That's how that works. Okay. Now we're going to get into reproductive health. Unreal. Let's go to 1632. Here's the thing. When we're talking about access to reproductive health and to abortion rights right into being pro-choice, listen, that's your body, you do you. No. The child if is you not decide, your body. As I go. A baby. It's so scary for me to hear people calling like guns the biggest equalizer for women, but taking their choices away from them at a policy level. Um, Why is that? Having okay, let's pause that. So first of all, a gun is an equalizer for a woman. It absolutely is. Unless she thinks that she's capable, and you can go back and look at her size and stature, that she is just as capable of handling a physical confrontation as your average guy. Maybe she's deluded. It's possible. But she's not just as capable. And the reason that a gun is an equalizer for a woman is because it makes up for the lack of physical strength we have in comparison to the average guy. Everybody knows that. You'd have to be an idiot not to know that a gun is an equalizer for a woman. That is why you have women now, particularly single moms, that are getting gun licenses because they know that if they are home alone with a child, it is their job then because there is no guy in that house to protect that family, to protect that child. And the way they're going to do that, if a burglar comes to their house, they're not going to call the cops and wait 25 minutes or 15 minutes or nine minutes or depending upon where they live, however long it is for that police officer to get to their house, they're going to be armed because if worse comes to worse they're going to have to use that gun to protect that child and they want to be able to do that good for them that is why it is an equalizer wake up number one secondly i love this i love when they say my body my choice you do you as if there's not another person grown inside that body and you notice you notice how the biological male jumped in a zygote a zygote and somebody else had to say a baby because again you have abortion now in this day and age being treated like birth control and being so normalized, it's not safe, legal, and rare. It's happening all the time. Women are getting multiple abortions. It's being treated like a form of birth control for a lot of irresponsible women. That is a fact. They then go have these abortions. They're traumatized oftentimes as a result because they process and internalize what they have done. And it should not be minimized by people who are willing to say, oh, zygote, zygote, because ultimately they don't care. And by the way, it's not going to affect their body because that is not a biological woman. It's not. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, we can keep moving with that one. Let's see if there's any more on there. Otherwise, we'll go to 1650. 
Having rights is an equalizer. Yeah, that's Having a right. choice is right. an equalizer. Just like a gun right. And in this country, forms the of policies control. that are pushed to continue perpetuating patriarchy <laughs> and anti-women, um, like taking the autonomy away from women, it is heartbreaking to see <laughs> so you women this? Just pushing listen. that propaganda. What, what did she just say? Patriarchy, anti-woman, oh, angry. Oh. She's mad. She's emotional because her points aren't grounded in reality. And she's defensive because somebody brought out the reality that when you abort a baby, it's a baby. And that she's defensive about that. It bothers her because there's truth in it. There's truth in it. You go get a sonogram. I mean, this is not rocket science. What's going on? So she's defensive and she's angry and she's upset. So she's, she's vomiting the words. You know, there'll be more to come. But that particular patriarchy, where is the patriarchy? Where is the patriarchy? The abortion ruling went back to the states, which is what the Constitution actually says. Where is the patriarchy? Where is it? Show me. I'll wait. I'll wait. Ask them, say, define the patriarchy. How does the patriarchy actually influence a woman's day-to-day -day life in 2022? And then sit and wait for them. That's what you're going to hear. Or you're going to get a lot of... <laughs> hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Whenever I see it on the screen, you know I got to remind you. Okay, let's go to 1650. Taking their choices away from them at a policy level. Um, Why is that? Having a gun is an equalizer. It is. Having rights is an equalizer. Yeah, having right. choice is right. an equalizer. Just like a gun right. And in this country, forms the birth policies control. that are pushed okay, that's what I wanted to, to catch. continue In the midst of all that, you hear Pearl saying, 41 forms of birth control. Like, nobody wants to talk about the personal responsibility component of this anymore. People act like we live in a world where there's, it's like you, you have no choice. You engage in sex, and if you become pregnant, you have an abortion. What, there's, there are a lot of things that you can do to not get pregnant. First, you cannot have sex. If you don't want a baby, there's a really easy way not to have a baby. Don't engage in sex at all, right? Or there are all these forms of birth control that you can have at your disposal if you do want to be more promiscuous. There's always going to be risk involved, though. Remember that. There is always risk. So you have to know that there's risk involved when you engage in a sexual act with somebody. It's amazing. They want to, in, in one breath, they want to tell you that women are empowered and women can, you know, decide their fate and self-sufficient and all this stuff. In another breath, they want to tell you that personal responsibility is too hard for women and it's not good. It's too hard. Really? What are you like? Are you, are you a grown female or are you still in diapers? Do you want to be respected or not? Do you want to be treated like an adult or not? Clearly no. Or when it's convenient, it seems. Okay, let's go to 1827. It's the oppressive state of saying, I will force you to have a child even against your own will, right? Especially when you're thinking about women and girls who, who would be forced to have these children who are already living in very traumatized and scare and scare situations. Okay, so you wanna ask Oh man. I would never make it through this. Do you see? I, I, could, I can't do forums like that. It would just be too insane. How is it oppressive? Talk to me, love, about the oppressive nature of forcing women to have children. Do women not engage in sexual acts of their own volition? I'm not talking about rape. Let's exclude that. Okay, that's, different. that's a different topic for a different day. That's not consensual. If you're engaging in consensual sex with someone as a grown woman, I am to assume that you're an adult that you're making a decision, 
and that you are fully aware that there could be consequences to your actions. Am I wrong? No. Okay. So then how is it oppressive if you become pregnant and that is an effect of your actions? How is that oppressive? Or, or, or is it not just that you made a decision and now this is a consequence of that decision, which I would call, by the way, a blessing because a baby is always a blessing in my mind. But regardless, how do you get to blame that out? So in other words, women are self-empowered and in the same breath, they're a bunch of babies, right? Because if they engage in consensual sex with someone and wind up being pregnant, somehow that is oppression, even though they made the decision of their own adult volition. You can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. Are women adults capable of making their own decisions or are they babies? Choose. So you have to ask yourself why there's no accountability in any of these. Why don't these women want any accountability for women? Why? They want accountability for men, fine, and there should be accountability for men. But why no accountability for women? Why is it so lopsided all the time? Okay. Let's go to 1957. Pearl, I saw your hand up. Yeah. Um, I think women want to sleep around and not have any consequence for it. Hell yeah, yeah we do. Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, instead of, you know, taking personal accountability and being on birth control, they just want to, like, do whatever they want. <sighs> you say this like it's I a think bad that's flipping. thing. Yeah. It almost sounds like you said. <laughs> Can I also ask, do you have any care Let's pause to it empower here. women? So notice the response. When, she, when Pearl says, it's like women want no, no accountability, and they want to just be able to sleep around and not have consequences. You see the, the blonde? Hell yeah, we do. With pride, with pride. You want to be able to have promiscuous sex with people that don't matter to you and have no consequence because you can run off and get an abortion. Oh, is that what empowerment looks like to you? How sad, how deeply pathetic that you bought that modern feminist garbage and now spew it out to people as if it's a sign of empowerment. Disgusting. Let's see what else I have here. Uh, all right, let's keep going. Is disempowering women part of your, like, stees? You see, this is shame, insult, guilt, need to be right. Okay. I, why is it empowering to sleep around? No, no, why what is I'm saying is, like, I feel like you, you do, like, take, like, the way why you speak on women is very sort of, like, Ah, women just don't want to do this. Ah, women just don't have Sorry. this. Ah, yeah, women I, just wanted yeah, this. And I wonder why maybe you have say. so much like hatred towards women. I don't, I don't hate women. Where does that root in? It sounds I don't hate like women. you do. I am okay, a woman. so this is this is typical, right? So that woman is deeply embarrassed because she doesn't have a good talking point to stand on. So now she has gone the route of she's emotional. You saw her yelling about the gun. Oh, she's emotional, and now she has taken the only route that she has left, which is to insult. Pearl, right? Oh, you hate women, this, that. And then to infantilize her by psychoanalyzing her, right? Oh, what's wrong with you? What happened in your past that made you hate women so much? What this, what that? This is the playbook. This is the feminist, typically hard left, but not always playbook. It is, we don't have a leg to stand on. So we're going to gasp and get emotional. And then we're going to insult. And then we're going to psychoanalyze. And then we're going to infantilize and then we're going to claim that you are somehow a pick-me or you are somehow a woman hater. And hence, by the way, 
you can't be part of the feminist movement, which is what they do to pro-lifers all the time. Unbelievable to see it unfold. It's really, it's fascinating. The reason I'm showing this is because you need to see how it unfolds step by step by step. And this panel is a fantastic example of that. Okay. Let's continue that for a second and just finish it off. And then we'll go to 2222. That doesn't mean you don't have self-hate. I can be black and still be internalized racism. You're saying specific things that you're saying. Like, women don't want to work. Women don't want to this. Women want to sleep around. Where did you learn these belief systems from? Okay, so she's saying, yes, women, a lot of women don't want to work. It's a choice. She said, oh, you're saying women want to sleep around. Yes, they do. And the woman, as she calls herself, behind you just told us that on the panel when she responded by saying, yeah, I want to be able to have sex with no consequence and be promiscuous with no consequence. They just said it out loud. These people are vocalizing it before our very eyes and you still are defensive that then someone like Pearl, who doesn't have the same worldview as you, has the audacity to vocalize what they just said, to repeat it. Hey, it's right here. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, let's go to 2222. ...of that it needs to be rare is, uh, I think the delineation between that's a medical abortion and that's like a fun abortion is really interesting because they're all medical. It's all a medical procedure. And so no so matter what important. you're doing going in there... First of all, she's mad that the abortion would need to be rare. She's mad, bothers her. Like, well, why does it need to be rare? Because she wants, and she says this in another part of the panel, she wants women to be able to get as many abortions as they want. Let's keep playing, actually. Listen to her. Listen to what she says. Aaron getting it. Like, that's, it's, it's not like, oh, you're only allowed two. It's just like, you should just be able to get a medical procedure done when it's something that you need done. We shouldn't be desensitized okay. to So, you need 50 abortions? You go get them. You go get them. You want to have an abortion just because it's, it's fun? And I'm not saying fun. Let's take that word out because she's using that word because she wants to stigmatize what somebody else is saying, which is that some people are fickle about it. Some people are fickle about it. They are. They go. They have sex. They, they are careless. They don't take proper precaution, precautions. They don't do anything. And then they show up and they're like, I'll just abort. Those people do exist. They do exist. And yes, are they traumatized afterward oftentimes? Yes. But in the moment, they do exist. So this woman's like, oh, it kind of bothers her that we would want to make it rare because that, you know, stigmatizes it for those who want to be fickle about it. And that's a woman's right. Imagine talking like this about an abortion, a very, very serious procedure that should be extremely rare that involves another human life that's not yours, that you can't even acknowledge is alive inside somebody's body. I mean, this is deeply sick stuff if you really think about it, deeply sick. The way it's spoken about, it's one thing to have a conversation about abortion and have different points of view and it's another person to actually another thing to watch women women sit and talk about it like it's like it's not a life like it's disposable like you should be able to do it as many times as you want like it's nothing like it's oh you know I went and you know got a whatever a dental cleaning the audacity really I mean deeply sick stuff okay let's go to um oh this is good Hmm. Let's go to 2539. Let's talk about some trans issues. Gender issues. Should trans women be included in feminist conversations? How about in women's spaces? Yes, they're women. What's the question? Pearl, trans women are women. 
Um, so I, I want to come at this from the um, position of an athlete. Oh, Jesus. Um, so, okay, so can I you catch that? Semi-pro basketball, semi-pro volleyball. Can you catch that? Pause that for a second. So what, first off, trans women are not biological women. It's crazy. I have to actually say that and worry. Oh, somebody's going to get upset. It's just a reality, right? A trans woman is not a biological woman. Done. Uh, did you see, though, when Pearl says, I'm going to come at this at, from the perspective of an athlete, you hear the little, oh, Jesus. Oh, why, you bothered, doll? Because she's actually going to come at it from the perspective of someone who's lived the experience. Is that concerning to you that there might be actual life experience behind this point that she's about to make that you're going to struggle to figure out how to, how to counter? Obnoxious stuff. Okay, let's play it. So when it comes to like athletic spaces, I don't think that trans women should be allowed into athletic spaces because I don't think it's a fair, um, I think we, as female athletes, we work so incredibly hard for the little opportunity there is in women's sports. Would this be a like, barrier for like this, There's no barrier. There's less opportunity in some industries. That's, That's what a barrier is. There's less, it's not, no, no, no. It's That's based on the market. Okay, hold on, hold on, on guys. By the way, so, let's point that out. She's saying, oh, is it a barrier? Like you said, there were no barriers. No. No, Pearl didn't call that a barrier, first of all. She didn't say, oh, there's less opportunity in women's sports, so we have to figure out a way to equalize it all because equity, because hurt feelings. No, the reason that there's more of a discrepancy between men's sports and women's sports is because people don't flock to women's sports in the same way because they're not as interesting to watch and there's just not an appetite for them societally. People don't watch them as much. We did this when we talked about Megan Rapinoe and all that nonsense. You can't force people to watch or to like what they like. And more people watch men's sports because it's more riveting and more entertaining and there's more ad money in it because there's more people watching it. And that's why it exists that way. That's why the discrepancy exists. I would have said to her, it's not a barrier that I'm trying to fix. That's the marketplace. If people want to change it, they'll start watching women's sports. It's not what should the government come in and regulate it to make you feel better? No, honey. No. Okay, let's keep going very hard for the little opportunity there is in the space because we're not as entertaining as the men sorry we're just not and so it's like you're going to take the little opportunity that we're given and the problem is like it, we can't compete we can't like I, i'm six foot if i go up against a six foot guy and i play basketball with him he's going to body me and even what happens if, if i go up against you even if i have years more of training and so it's like you're taking away the little opportunity that we're given and we all work so hard for and you're just giving it back to biological guys it's like this will be the end of women's sports have you Eli, tried confidence uh, Eli hold on Minnie. sorry Eli. confidence can't make me bench what a guy benches I don't confidence can't make you me guys six, are seven. so hostile she's sharing you believe wait saying... <laughs> have you tried confidence so uh, listen if I'm okay you know what I'll tell you what you know, if I'm, if I'm, let me pick somebody. I don't know who's been on this show. Oh, let's just use Tate because he's a good example. If I'm confident, it's going to change everything. I get into the ring with Andrew Tate and my confidence will win that match. I mean, can you imagine the level of delusion to even blurt that out? Confidence will change everything. How ridiculous. And here you have Pearl pointing out a very obvious reality, which is that biological men and biological women are different biologically and as a result women are at a big disadvantage you can't have biological men coming in on women's sports do you see the size of leah thomas do you leah thomas is massive look at the images of leah thomas standing next to the other swimmers i mean why do we have to ignore this reality men have you know they just have benefits when it comes to their anatomy 
their organs, their, I mean, it's just different. It's just different. Women are not built for the fight, the physical fight in the same way that men are. Why do we have to ignore that? Unbelievable. And now you're going to see them jump through hoops to try to figure out, oh, what could we say here to try to balance it? Oh, we have to justify somehow that no, 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 it's all good. Biological men and women's sports is fine. Let's figure out how. So let's play more. Sharing and I'd have to go. No, she's yeah. not. She's, she's, she's a woman who's had an experience. You guys are so obsessed finish. with your own experiences and your own existence. And yet when a woman is sitting here telling you, I feel as though this is unfair and this is compromising and this situation is not helping women, you guys are like, meh, meh, meh. but when you're like, I'm a black person that did this, 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 and this, then it's vi- valid and, and fair and viable. Eli, I want to give you the chance to respond. Um, so this is basically a joke of a talking point. Everyone has biological advantages in sports. How how tall are you? Um, five eleven and a half. I'm yeah, tall. I'm I'm five foot eight. Mm-hmm. I am a trans woman. I you would crush me. You would absolutely yeah. crush Bond me. Okay, so again, how ridiculous! This trans woman is now coming out. Who's probably on some type of hormones. I don't know what's going on there. I'm not going to venture a guess. Who knows? I don't know that person personally, but is now going to say, "Oh, if I competed against Pearl, you're not in the sport." You're not playing the sport. What we are talking about here are athletes in individual sports that are at the top of their game. That is what we are talking about. We're not talking about, oh, pull somebody off the street who's maybe obese and never exercised a day in their life, and now they're going to go and they're going to compete against Pearl or, you know, a, a guy who's, you know, 60 pounds overweight and can't, you know, catch his breath from going from point A to point B. Let's see how that goes against Pearl. That is not the conversation, honey. The conversation is about women and men who are at the top of their game. So if you have a female athlete choose a sport, I don't care what it is, basketball, female athlete at the top of her game, and now you take a guy, a guy, and you bring that guy in who's not at the top, let's put him at the middle of his game, but still a professional athlete, she is crushed. She is crushed. And you know what's crushed along with that? Her dreams, her hopes, her scholarships, her opportunities, because it's not fair. Because that guy has an advantage. And by the way, it doesn't have to be woman at the top of her game and guy at the top of her game for her to be crushed. It can be a guy all the way down here, still an athlete, but all the way down here. And you know what? She's still going to get crushed. How is that fair? One. How is that empowering to women? Two. How are you helping women out? Three. I'll wait. I'll wait. Okay. I thought so. Let's go to 3040 because then, of course, it becomes a conversation about how the right hates trans people. Let's go. <laughs> so um, th- this is more than about sports. This is about um, free, free and equal participation for transgender people in social life. And the right sees this as a socially acceptable way to begin to remove trans people from different engagements in our society. So it does just start with sports or bathrooms or locker rooms, something that they find is more acceptable. And then at this point, they start to move into education, getting trans teachers fired, banning trans books. This is a Do you see the game? um, Okay, I have a saying, and it goes, see the game or be played by the game. So do you see how that was portrayed as now the right hates trans people? Why? According to her, the right hates trans people, which is untrue, obviously. What a dumb thing to say. Because they they don't want biological men 
to be able to compete with biological women in sports because it's unfair to women. Okay. <laughs> also because they don't want biological men in bathrooms and locker rooms with biological women. That's, that's now odd. Now you can't say that. You can't say that as a parent, as a young girl, if you're uncomfortable, you can't vocalize that. How is that pro-woman to silence those women? Okay. Then they say education. They make it like, oh, the right wants trans people to be excluded from education. No, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Are we talking about access to education or are we talking about what you're referencing, which is drag shows for kids, which is drag story hour happening in school with young children? Are we talking about indoctrination books that talk about how gender doesn't exist and biology doesn't exist? What are we really talking about here? Let's have that debate. By the way, I would, I would invite any of these people to come on the show. They're not going to come. But I'm thinking of extending an invite just because I really want to hear this nonsense play out start to finish in front of me. Come tell me that I'm trying to prevent trans people from access to education, and I'll have a real good answer for you because that is utterly ridiculous. And to insinuate that folks on the right are, just, are actively discriminating when, in fact, what they're concerned about is a lot of stuff that's going on in the school system when it comes to small children and the indoctrination that's happening and just the ability to say biological men and biological women aren't the same it's quite a slippery slope you got there doll quite a slippery slope okay let's go to uh 38 38 and then we're going to get to our matrix topic we'll play this through the end for a stop and go Jordan? Beauty standards are toxic bullshit hierarchical nonsense. <laughs> and I say that as someone who has spent over a year collectively of my life in eating disorder institutions because I have tried to put my body through hellish things to meet these beauty standards, which more often than not are not based in reality. They're typically trends. They're created to push things. They're extremely useful for marketing, but they don't serve anyone's health. They don't serve anyone's self-esteem. They only act to try and tell us that there's a allegedly right way to have a body. And if you don't occupy that space and have that body, then you're a piece of shit, which is absolute nonsense. And there are way too many women and men in the world who end up doing terrible things to themselves because they fall into this trap of thinking that you have to be this way. And if you aren't this way, then there's something inherently wrong at your core, which is nonsense. You're perfect the way you are. That's, or, that's, that's literally the core of it. You are perfect the way you are. Okay. And anyone who tries to tell you otherwise is feeding so, into... So, not everybody's perfect the way they are. And, the, and, and this comes from a position of health, by the way. I don't really care people, what people look like in terms of how they dress, their hair color. Their, I, I don't care about any of that. To each his own. I really don't. But if we're now going to say, one, that beauty standards are horrible and awful simply because people's feelings get hurt... That's crazy. We can't protect everybody's feelings all the time, one. And beauty standards exist because we as a society decide as individuals what we find attractive. It's not like, I'm sorry, but it's not like a magazine company or the film industry comes in and, and mind controls everybody in that capacity. It, it just doesn't happen. If, if there were only obese people on the cover of magazines and everywhere, I guarantee you there's still going to be a very large segment of society that doesn't find that attractive. And the reason that it's not attractive to a lot of people, by the way, is because obesity isn't healthy. And when you're choosing a partner in life and you're looking at your own longevity and you want to have children, you want somebody who cares about their body because ultimately you, want, you love them and you want them to be around for a long time and you want that family structure. And health matters. And obesity and not taking care of yourself and saying, oh, I don't care about my body, it's not important, is a sign 
that you're going to have some health problems down the road. And that's not attractive or appealing. That's burdensome and worrisome and anxiety-inducing to people who are forming a partnership, a marriage, whatever you want to call it, I don't care, with you. So again, like this, this like you're afraid to hurt everybody's feelings, so you can't call obesity what it is. You're afraid to hurt everybody's feelings, so you can't say that not everybody's perfect the way they are, and some people the way they are are jeopardizing their own health and should do something about it. And one of the most heartbreaking things I see with this is obesity in children, where you have people afraid to, oh, you can't say anything to your kid. In the meantime, you, you're looking. I go to the playground sometimes, and I see obese kids that can't even run around. They are physically compromised. They are un healthy in the state that they are in and the fact that their parents aren't doing something about it really bothers me really bothers me you got to take the snacks away you got to intervene on diet you have to intervene on mobility you have to get them away from these these phones I mean I I don't understand why and it's all because everybody's afraid to hurt everybody's feelings It's, it's despicable and she says you know in that clip um, you know, there's a this idea that there's a right way to li- uh, to have a body or a right body. No, but there is a healthy way to have a body. And in the same way that anorexia and bulimia and eating disorders that make you overly thin to where your organs shrink and you're not getting enough nutrients is not healthy, obesity is also not healthy. So why can't we say that? Why? Because it's everyone's afraid of hurting everybody's feelings these days. I would also ask, you know, that that part about the eating disorders is concerning and very sad, very sad. I would like to know, though, what did you do to try to, if, if, you want, if you had that passion to improve your health, what did you do? Did you watch? What, did, you, did you try to eat a healthy diet? Was there exercise involved? Because this, this idea that like, oh, I'm in this body and I'm overweight, say, and I can't do anything about it because this is just the way I'm meant to be. The only thing I could do is do something horrible for my health, like an eating disorder. That's just not reality either. That's a cop-out. That is what we call a cop-out. Of course you can do something about it. Of course there's things you can do with diet, with exercise, with detoxification. With, there's a lot you can do in the body that you're in that's healthy, that has nothing to do with an eating disorder, that's very healthy, that can get you on track. So I don't like that cop out. Okay. We're going to end with 40.05 and then we get to a California ruling that you need to know about. Really important. Well, I just think that like... If women really cared about beauty standards, like the obesity rate wouldn't be what it is. Let's try to maintain the beauty standards. I don't, I mean, I just think like some people are more attractive, some people are less attractive, and that's just, you know, where, where would I rate myself one to ten? Well, we're not rating, it's okay. That's what, that's what I mean. Like, I just think like some people so are more attractive. So if you are overweight, you don't care about beauty standards. Well, is that right? The, like, the point is that the beauty standard is thin, right? Your yeah, standard? Obesity comes from men and women, though. Yeah, you're so right. again, true, all she's saying, saying is like, this. you know what it is too, the simplicity of what she's saying is like startling to these people because these people have to create all of these things like to, to kind of justify what doesn't exist. And the reality is what she's saying is just like some people are more attractive than other people. It just is, right? You could objectively just walk down the street and, and uh, yes, is there a subjectivity to some of that? Yes, because people have different tastes and different likes and dislikes. But more often than not, you're going to get a general consensus whether from people if somebody is attractive, somebody's average, and somebody's below average. Even if, if you had those three categories, most people would be able to put those people into, the, into spots, and, and there would be agreement. There would be consensus. It just is, right? So, like, just why do we have to battle reality of what is? It just is. I'm not saying attractiveness is the be-all and end-all of, of why you should choose somebody to be with. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that is a component of humanity. Attractiveness just is right it's amazing to me that like just a refusal to just digest reality 
because it hurts your feelings. It's just like, I mean, did, nobody was born with a backbone. What are we doing to people that they're raised so unbelievably unable to handle anything? I, I just, it's startling. All right. So we're going to leave this. That is the feminist panel. Mm-hmm. I brought it to you because I wanted you to see how this conversation unfolds in a space like that. To their credit, they did have somebody like Pearl on. Um, I don't love that it was edited. I'd, I'd be curious to see what was edited out. I'm sure it's plentiful. And um, I wanted you to see that the mechanisms that women who are deeply insecure about what they're saying will resort to. Like I said, you know, the insults, the psychoanalyzing you, all that. It's important to see it unfold before your very eyes. All right, so Matrix topic for today. The Matrix is alive and well. We all know that, unfortunately. I come across this, and it was interesting to me, because I have, um, I don't know if any of you are doctors, physicians, or if you have a trusted physician in your life that you, care, that you like, that you go to, family physician, whoever it may be, holistic physician, whatever it is. Everybody's got their own thing. My guess is that you like that that physician has some autonomy over what they recommend to you, right? That you go there and you feel that's a person you trust that you would trust if something was going on with you that didn't feel right, the, the, the tests they would run or the recommendations they would make, that you would trust because you have a trusted relationship with that person that you've accumulated over the years. Maybe you went through some type of health crisis and that person was there and you got out of it, whatever it may be. So this is interesting coming out of California. This is AB2098. Let's go to, uh, I think we have a tweet there that we can pull up. Let me see which one I put in first, Deli. There's a tweet in there. Oh, it's the second. The first one is the document. Yeah, here we go. So AB2098, this is from, by the way, Jay, I always say his name wrong, but he's a doctor that was censored on Twitter um, during lock because he was opposed to some of the lockdowns and some of those measures, the masking, school closures, all that. He says AB2098 will become law on January 1, 2023. So we're talking about a law, an upcoming law, effectively denying all physicians in the state of California the right to publicly share their medical opinions under threat of suspension of their license to practice medicine. There's another tweet in there. Um, that's that second. You see that one, that second one? It's Bernie whatever. You see that one, Deli? It's right underneath. They're, they look like they're together, but it says Bill Summary, and then it says one, two. Do you see it? Take a look. It says, I'll read it to you. It says, California on the 1st of January, 2023, this law become, this bill becomes law. This will deny all physicians in the state of California the right to publicly share their medical opinions under threat of suspension. Okay, so do you understand what this means? I want to take a look at the bill. This is important. I don't care if you live in California or not. I don't care. Because you need to understand the attack and the assault that's happening when it comes to physicians that you personally may love and trust. And th believe me, if this is happening in California, it's not a far cry from happening in New York it's not a far cry from happening in another liberal state, for sure. But this is why it's problematic for me. And I don't care how you feel about COVID. I don't care how you feel about the vaccine. I don't care. I'm, this is not a discussion about the safety of, of those particular components. I'm not here to lecture you on that. Listen to the bill, though. And this is coming from the legal. This is from the legislature. Right from the bill. This bill would designate the dissemination of misinformation or disinformation related to SARS, COVID-2, coronavirus, or COVID-19 as unprofessional conduct. The bill would also make findings and declarations in this regard. So in other words, the state, the government, will be able to decide what they deem information, misinformation or disinformation. And if a doctor is making declarations to the contrary of what the government finds, misinformation or disinformation, that individual is at risk, very likely to lose their medical license. So I look at the sections and I say, what does it say? Okay, the legislature finds and declares all of the following. This is how the government feels about COVID. 
according to them in the state of California. Data from the Federal Centers of Disease, Centers for Disease Control shows that unvaccinated individuals are at a risk of dying from COVID-19 that is 11 times greater than those who are fully vaccinated. That has been heavily debated, heavily contested, and there are studies that prove otherwise, I will tell you that, that I have seen. I'm not here to say which studies are right, which studies are wrong. I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of information to the contrary and a lot of people who feel differently about that, and a lot of them are physicians. It goes on to say the safety and efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines have been confirmed through evaluation by the Food and Drug Administration, all of this stuff. The spread of misinformation and disinformation about COVID-19 vaccines has weakened public confidence and placed lives at risk. So this is basically a walking, goes along with the CDC, goes along with the FDA, goes along with that train of thought on the vaccine. Fine. If you have a doctor, by the way, who follow, falls in line with that, and that's how you believe, and that's how you want to run your family, and that's how you want to run your body, and that's how you want to run your life. You are fully entitled to do that. What happens if you have a doctor that doesn't fall in line with that? Maybe you have a medical condition. Maybe you have some type of exemption. Maybe you have a different type of doctor that doesn't, that's been looking at the data for the last few years and feels differently, and you have a trusted relationship with that doctor. All I care about when it comes to this story is that that doctor who feels differently in California is at risk of losing their medical license because they see things differently, because their data shows otherwise, and because they're not towing a government-endorsed line of thinking. And I just want you to think about the risks of that. So if the government of a state, a state government, decides that something is misinformation or disinformation, I don't care if it's about COVID, I don't care if it's about the flu, I don't care what it's about, and places that as this is misinformation, period, and has a law out that says that if doctors go against that publicly, they lose their medical license. How are doctors able to practice medicine properly? Isn't the whole point that doctors go to medical school or whatever school they go to, they come out and they, they have some sense of what's going on. They're, they're doing their own research. They're doing their own investigative work. They get to know their individual patients so that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Maybe there's a guy in their practice that's 80 and a woman who's 25 who have very different needs and very different blood work and very different. You are now taking autonomy away from those doctors to make the best, most informed advisement to their patients out of because they will be living in fear of their state government. That's the point. That's the point. And this is not about a vaccine. This is not about one treatment, and this is not about one thing. This is about big government stepping in and taking away people's freedom to express themselves, and it's going right into the medical community, which affects you. Because how do you feel about that? I mean, think about it. You go to a doctor. If you know that they're going to just regurgitate what they're supposed to regurgitate because they're afraid they're going to lose their medical license if they don't, are they giving you the best advice for you? How can you trust that? I, I mean, this would, this would blow my mind. I have trusted doctors, and... Let me tell you, when, when COVID-19 hit, I had trusted doctors I spoke to, and they all had different, made different decisions for their own lives. They all looked at me, and they all had advice for me. They were all different. I, you know, they all, it, it, imagine if they were all afraid to say what they needed to say because they, they were like, oh, well, if I say this, I run a risk. And this happened, by the way, this happens all the time. This is coming to light now because there's been a lot of debate around COVID-19. This happens all the time. Medical doctors oftentimes are threatened by the medical establishment that they will lose their license if they don't tell a line. Now you're just seeing it in a very brave, out front and center way from a state that is sinking and then some. That's your matrix topic for today because I want your eyes open, I want you healthy, and I want you paying attention. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'll see you again on Wednesday. Happy New Year. Hit that subscribe before you go. Do me a favor, hit that subscribe. Hit that like button and I'll see you soon.